Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I'm Jessica. Welcome back to the Wonders of Thetis, episode 57. We're going to be talking about a rogue specialization this time around. We had this is u- a good one. Oh yes, we had our usual social media blo- uh, social media blog post uh, poll, etc. And mm-hmm. uh, the winning vote this time went to the bard specialization. Yeah, I love bards. I'm bard. kind of a bard, hmm. except without all the sneaky business that this one implies. We'll talk about mm-hmm. that later. Yeah. So by the time this episode comes out for patrons, hello patrons, thank you all so much for all your support, we appreciate it. They're coming out pretty soon for patrons. Yes. Patrons, you're getting this, uh, so you're getting this of course a little early, but by the time this comes out for the public, we will be at... Gen Gen Con! Woo! We're so excited. Gen Con is our, like, Christmas for the year. Yep. If you haven't heard us gush about it before, be aware, we're gonna gush about it now. Oh yeah. We'll probably be getting some photographs that are coming out of it, and uh... Hopefully, might be able to take a microphone and an iPhone. See what happens. Say hi to some folks. Well, don't don't like you know rush people at their tables. Just don't <laughs> do that, babe. <laughs> Hello. Don't do that. My name is Ren. Welcome to the Ones of Things no. podcast. We're on the air right now. What do you have to say? No, don't do it. I won't do it. It's a bad idea. Though. I'll think about it. You'll want do to it. do it. I want to do it. But don't do it. But I won't do it. That would be problematic. Mm-hmm. But um, if you are going to be at Gen Con and you would like to meet us up and say, hey, uh, hit us up via the usual channels, you know, Ren's big long spiel that mm-hmm. we do every time. The Facebook one would probably be the quickest way to get to us. Yes. If you talk about it on Facebook and you say you want to meet up, maybe we can meet you up somewhere. Yeah, send a message to the page and we can get that message nice and quick. Yeah, we don't have a booth per se. But uh, Ren and Gen is... Con are heckin' expensive. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we... The only reason we're able to stay is because we have free lodging, so... Mm-hmm. Even the tickets are pretty expensive. And yeah, that was rough. My ticket is free because I'm running a whole bunch of well, tables We gotta go Dragon pick yours up on Wednesday, don't we? We gotta pick it up from uh, the folks at Green Ronin. How do we get that? Uh, they'll have it in the, in, the ball, in the particular room that they're using. Okay. Um, well, we'll talk about that in yeah. a little bit. We're figuring that out. Let's see, they're figuring that out, uh... uh through the their Facebook pages. So yeah, come find us. Come find us. We'll also be spending a lot of time at Scotty's. Oh, yeah, that's fair. I've got a lot of people I need to have lunch with, and many mm-hmm. of them want to go to Scotty's, including me, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's great. And been, uh, We've been putting out feelers to see who's going to be joining, uh, who's going to be going to Gen Con from other D20 Radio Network uh, podcasts. And I think a couple other folks are going. Of course, they have their own convention, Gamer Nation, uh, Gamer Nation Con. So mm-hmm. we don't know Which how many we were folks... unfortunately unable to attend this year. But... Yeah, it's just a bit too far away. Yeah. Plano, Plano, Texas. One I of think. these. One of these days. One of these days, we'll go. We'll have a booth. It'll be slick. It'll be great. But uh, yeah, uh, we will also probably if you're especially on Thursday or Friday night, if you are also a Pathfinder player, you can find us in the Sagamore. Yeah. And good luck finding us in the Sagamore. <laughs> good luck finding because, anybody. You know, like needle in a haystack. But hey. Come, come see us. Yeah, it'll be cool. It'll be, cool. be fun. Say hi. I've said that a few times, but I'm still excited about it. Oh my god. Oh yeah, we're excited. This is, we we spend 361 days out of the year waiting for Gen Con to come around again. It's true, it's true. We really do. 
I'm going to have some blue hair, a little bit of blue hair, some blue nails, blue jerkin. I'm going to be hacking yeah. Sinclair. Oh, man. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Oh, oh, geez. All right. Well, uh, we get to jump into one of the segments that we usually don't get to. Uh, it's not for Dragon Age news, unfortunately, but because I imagine all of you folks enjoy the age system because you're here, you'll probably want to hear what's going on this week in Thetis. You aren't worried I'll just make it up as I go. Not at all. You'll need to hear the whole story. Welcome to This Week in Thetis. You avid age players out there have probably already noticed, uh, but the Expanse RPG has been put to Kickstarter by Green Ronin, and it funded in about an hour. Nice. Uh, they're still collecting for, I think, from the time that we're recording this, like 27, 26 more days. By the time this comes out to the public, that'll be more like 20 days, but that's still lots of time to get on hand, uh, get your hands on the Expanse RPG. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, like like me, uh, The Expanse is a sci-fi series about the possible future for Earth expanding out into space. The series was originally written by James S.A. Corey, and they made it into a television show on the Sci-Fi Channel. It sounds pretty cool, having a trio of cultures divided among Earthers, Martian colonists, and colonists of the asteroid belt. Hmm... I recommend checking it out, and if you like what you see uh, and you already enjoy the adventure game engine, drop a few dollars in the Kickstarter because they're using the age system. Yeah, that's what Kickstarter's for. Get get you some good stuff. Get some space age, finally. Uh, and, of course, modern age is still, I think, in pre-order. Uh, I hear that the modern age GM's kit is going to be available to be picked up at Gen Con. That'll be good. So we got fantasy, we got modern, we got space... We got most of the bases covered. I don't yeah, know we got gonna... fantasy past, fantasy present, and fantasy future. Woo! It's hard to argue with. Yeah. So feel free to check that out. You got lots of time to get in on it. And uh, of course, we've got a couple of our own things to talk about in the Codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but. Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. First couple of questions. we got uh, two question askers this time, uh, both who brought a couple of questions to the table, all of which are good head scratchers and uh, mm-hmm. got some lore drinkers around here, I see. Uh, first couple of questions come from Drunkle Grog through our Facebook. Uh, first question. What are dragons in Dragon Age? There are high dragons, people that turn into dragons, dragonlings, and if you want to go reaver, you can't find a dragon, grab a wyvern, it will do, and even the kunari may be tied to dragons. What makes a dragon a dragon? Hmm. That's a fair question. Um, it, it's, I, I mean, don't... If hmm. there is something that makes something uniquely dragon, I don't think it's been elaborated on. I think yeah. dragons just are. I think that I would guess this is just... My guess mm-hmm. that uh, I'm pretty sure that it would be something like sort of a a family, like a scientific classification family, mm-hmm. where you've got like wyverns and you've got dragonlings and stuff. Like, I honestly, aren't wyverns like a form of wyverns? It's all, are... they're, they're, all of this is dragons, right? Wyverns are not considered to be true dragons. And as far as people that turn into dragons, Flemeth doesn't ever count. Just assume that Flemeth doesn't count. <laughs> Flemeth in defies pretty much categorization. Any category, Flemeth doesn't count. It's true. So that, that would be my my recommendation as far as that goes. Don't put her in a box. She'll break it. 
mm-hmm. and she'll have words for you. So, um, I guess to answer your question, dragons just kind of are, and they're very important to Thetis. And if some of the comic books are to be believed, then uh, very integral to Thetis's history, or at least very tied to Thetis's truly ancient, like pre-dwarven, elven human history. May just they just primordial creatures creatures of of true strength and power and mystery and we don't really know if they have if, if intelligence is a thing but they are they are creatures of of a primordial nature they're kind of a truth of the dragon age universe it, i think that's pretty much it they are just they are centers of power they are they are rep, they are power representations of it mm. so i hope that answers your question yeah, sorry there's not a whole lot more. Yeah, the, a lot of stuff in Dragon Age is kept pretty secret. But that does mean that we have lots of openings for making our own campaigns or for Bioware writing their own stuff. So we'll have to see what comes of it. Um, did I kill Andraste when I killed the dragon on Mountaintop <laughs> Origins? Wouldn't that mean I am a terrible person? Are dragons people too? Um, couple of pieces to this, but one of mine is this is why I like to play everything as though it's Undertale. <laughs> It doesn't work very well in Dragon Age, though, I'll tell you that. Right uh, now. Dragon Age is really not that kind of game, sadly. You don't get to spare everyone, because a lot of folks are not going to pick the spare option for you. Yeah. So. It makes me sad. That said, I am pretty sure that's not actual Andraste, but. Probably not. Dragons aren't super intelligent, so you did probably kill a sentient creature, but let's face it, you kill a lot of sentient creatures in Dragon Age, so. As far as the morality of that world goes, maybe don't beat yourself up too bad. <laughs> I say, how many reavers did you carve through just to get to the dragon? Yeah. It's Dragon Age. Everyone's a terrible person. Yeah, no one's really free of it. Uh, are dragons people too? Uh, depends on what you mean by people. They seem to possess a degree of intelligence. Uh, perhaps are at least somewhat sentient Mm -hmm. uh, they at least will allow cults of reavers to protect their eggs in order to bleed the children a little bit for let's see for their weird reaver rituals they seem to they seem to let them do it so i guess that's kind of intelligent as to whether or not they're people very much heavily depends on what you mean by people yeah and uh in Pathfinder, you can just have a little bit of outsider blood and then no spells think of you as a person ever again as long as nope. the word person's in the title. <laughs> That's a wrong game. Anyway. Uh, last question. Has anyone created stats for a great dragon? Can great dragons catch the blight? Uh, if what... old gods can catch the blight, yeah. I bet you great dragons can catch the blight. And it's probably not a pretty sight. Yeah, it's, it's probably pretty gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, for context, uh, folks who don't know, Great Dragons uh, only show up in the Dragon Age comic books. So if you haven't read them, you should go check it out. They get a little mentioning uh, and a little... And uh, one of uh, Morrigan's many sisters explains to you a little bit of the history. Go check it out. I believe it's the Silent Grove is the comic series that you want to read. And you get to see Alistair and Varric and uh, and, see, and Isabella go have a little romp in Antiva. And what, what's not fun about that? Come on. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a special extra question at the end of this about uh, whether or not Jessica could make a pun about great dragons and uh, the blight. And perhaps a blighted great dragon. 
And I have to say that this has been a bit of a blight on my uh, mental capacity <laughs> for the last week because there's so little you can do with just blight and great dragon. And uh, you could ask Ren, and I feel like Ren would usually tell you, like, I've always seen her lock them in at uh, pretty much within a few minutes of getting the pun. And however, uh, you can't leave. You can't leave. I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. Say so, that you know, you've all, I've always seen her lock them in right before, uh, just right after she hears the question. But uh, in this clay, in this case, I just feel like uh, I've done so many. Feel like why Vern to break? And uh, if you want a really good pun, you're gonna have to give me more background information. That last one was uh, was a deep lore, deep lore pun. <laughs> anyway, I hope that works out for you. Here's my uh, here's my flourish and a bow. Oh. And I probably am now about to get a divorce, but it was worth it. So there you go, Drunkle Grog. You're welcome. Thanks, Drunkle Grog. I hope <laughs> you ask another question real soon. Ask for more puns. Ren loves those. Mm-hmm. Uh, next questions come from Trey Patch through our email. Hello, Trey. Uh, I think you're a first-time asker, so welcome to the show. Thanks for asking. And uh, some good questions here. First question, have you, how have you handled the leveling of NPC companions that travel with the party? I created several NPCs to aid the party when a player is absent, but the players have made them a permanent fixture to the party. I come from a D20 background where NPC companions were generally four levels behind the PCs. Given the slow progression, I'm thinking that wouldn't be viable. Wanting to keep in the spirit of Dragon Age, do you have any tips, advice, or sources of inspiration when developing the hard decision points? Oh, I guess I jumped no, into no, the next that question. That was two different Okay, questions. sorry. Uh, first question about NPCs and how and see, and how to handle leveling them. Um, we did this in my campaign yeah. as well. Um, I think what we did, I want to say I kept them at half your level? Oh, no. It was, no? It was not quite that okay. bad. Basically, by the time we got to a point where the level would matter, mm-hmm. you pretty much had them doing, like, this, not even really, I think, I think it was much more conceptual how, when they yeah. were involved. It was more, mm-hmm. okay, so this NPC does this, and this and enemy takes this many damage, or, mm-hmm. and then, like, I don't know how you were keeping track of the number of hits they could take. We did eventually level them up. Yeah. I think when we hit level, like, 12 or 13, we leveled all our NPCs to 10. Mm-hmm. And then by the time we were 20, they were 15, quote, you know, yeah, quote unquote. Something like that. But if you're going to actually have them running full turns, I would not make them less than two or three levels behind your NP- your mm-hmm. PCs. Because four is probably too far if you're going to be directly impacting it combat. Is, that is getting to the point where... Cause, Somebody come I mean, back. The difference between, like, a level 13 and a level 12 character in Dragon Age is not, like, a huge yeah, difference. Yeah, but the difference but between a level 12 and a level 15 character... That, that gets more noticeable. ...starts to get more substantial. When it gets to 16 or 17, and, like, you a know, four That's or five whole level levels difference. of specialization. Yeah, that's specialization talents, that's, uh, like, three or four ability points and more focuses. So, yeah. Uh, you could be missing out on some stuff. Now, of course... Um, <clears throat> Some GMs probably run NPCs kind of like you, uh, like companion NPCs, like you'd run regular NPCs or monsters, and that class levels aren't necessarily a thing that they have to do. So feel free to, like, maybe not, you don't have to level them up like a PC, although you absolutely can do that because it's it's right there in the book. It's easy to conceptualize and keep mm-hmm. track of. 
Um, but you can always just, you know, give them a couple extra hit points or... Although if you're going to be running them in combat as, like, full party members, mm. you probably want them to be built because there's That's fair. too much room for error there, too many chances for that to go awry. Mm-hmm. I can see that. That's fair. So, Hopefully honestly... That answers uh, your question? I, I think so, yeah. It sounds like you pretty much already got a handle on it. Um... Probably keep them a little closer to two levels behind. Yeah, two or three. In um, like when you've maxed out, if you've got a character with high leadership in, mm -hmm. say, I'm pretty sure in three five and in Pathfinder, you'll usually end up with a with a character with a maximum of two levels below your PC. Yeah, and that tends to work out okay. We're Mm. currently running a Pathfinder game where I have a companion who is two levels lower than me, and she is still wrecking face and taking names. Mm -hmm. So it's. It two to that two to three is a good is a good area. It's it keeps them viable and not completely safe, but more likely to survive a hit. Gotcha. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, if you don't want them to necessarily have a space on the initiative because it would take too much time, feel free to have the stat block ready for them if you really need it. But then have them conceptually help in the combat, like maybe. Yeah. They occupy the attention of one enemy, taking that enemy out of the combat so that your PCs have less of a burden. Mm-hmm. There are lots of ways mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. And uh, then uh, that second question yes. that kind of got lumped in. Hard decision points. Ah, uh, yes. You, I know, have a particular thing to do for this. Yes. Um, my favorite thing to do for hard decision points. Dragon Age is... Dragon Age is supposed to be a world of making difficult decisions and living with those consequences, uh, or finding the consequences that you have the easiest time living with. So, making good, difficult decisions is a very should probably be a very high priority for a lot of game masters. Mm-hmm. Giving the PCs something hard to think about, where neither option is a great option, but. Maybe one option opens doors that the other one doesn't. So, uh, the thing that I like to do is... Because we don't like keeping things too, too depressing and dark around here. Right. We like to have a, a chance at uh, mm-hmm. cool things. And we make it a chance, because uh, when we have decision points, we usually have two difficult decisions, like... Uh, um, I think one of the most recent ones we had near the end of the campaign was uh, our rogue character had... Who is a, the only person who ever gets to be talked about in this campaign, <laughs> in this podcast, apparently. She gives us so many good examples. But um, our rogue character was... Uh, let's say, well, all the char- to context, all the characters are assisting the Grey Wardens and the Royal Army of Ferelden in performing an assault on a keep that was built deep in the Black Marsh uh, by... We don't need that too much exposition for this example. Right, well, by an evil cult. Uh, That evil cult had a necromancer who was raising a bunch of bodies, who was augmenting their forces, and her mission was to take out the necromancer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her apprentice is very plucky and very excited to be here and to help and to show Callie and what she's made of. That too. She snuck along behind Callion, and just when Callion got to the tower where this necromancer was, she shows up, uh, but she kind of, like, gets slowed in the mud, uh, and there are uh, undead creatures going for her. And she, and, like, Callion by this point is, like, level 18, 19. Mm -hmm. She's, like, maybe level 5. 
Yeah, so, so Callian ended up with a Callian ended up choice. with the choice of do I take out the necromancer right now and risk my apprentice dying, or do I go to save my apprentice and risk blowing my cover to the necromancer who may try to escape? Yeah, pretty much guaranteeing one on either side if yes. she had focused. Like if she had just gone for the necromancer, that was probably a dead apprentice. And mm-hmm. if she had gone for just the apprentice, that was probably gonna be a problem for the next. So with my games, I usually offer the option of trying, especially when you come when you got like decision uh, things that you want on both sides. We give a possible third option where Much you harder. let's say where you try to go for both at the same time, but things get more difficult. Like substantially, you know, yes. So she essentially had to juggle two combats at the same time. Um, I think she had some way of, like, stunning the necromancer so he couldn't get away right away. Yes. Uh, but then she was able to get her apprentice away from the zombies, at the very least, uh, and get her to a safe position while she went and dealt with the necromancer and then had to double back and fight the zombies who were coming for the apprentice. Yeah, she had to, she had to pull double duty and Mm -hmm. it was... It would have been a much easier encounter if she picked one, but... I believe earlier in the story there was one point where you were going to make me choose between, like, saving two kids. Like, mm-hmm. each one was in a dire situation. Mm-hmm. And the only way I was going to be able to save them both is if I managed, if I tried one particular spell and happened to get fast cast. Mm-hmm. And I managed to make it happen because the dice are only ever in my favor in really, really cool moments like that. I mean... That's a good time for it, though. Darn. But yeah, so having that third potential option for getting, you know, for great risk and great reward can be very useful. Oh, yeah. And exciting. And gives your uh, players a chance to feel like, well, at least I had a shot at changing the narrative. But you should also let your players know if you're going to do those third options that you should, you're you going to be hard on it. Yes. And if they do not succeed, they lose both. It's not great to lose yeah. both. Person who chases two rabbits captures neither. Yep. So let them know that, that that's the kind of situation yeah. they're getting into if they're going for it. So yeah, that would be it. So thank you for the question, Trey. Thank you for the question, Drunkle Grog. Of course, those of you out listening out there, if you have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, whether it's mechanics, build suggestions, questions about lore, clarifications about old episodes, anything else, send a message to wondersofthatispodcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts. Or send a personal message to Cot the Protector or Healer Puff on the Green Reading forums. Or send a message to Cot or Lease on the D20 radio forums. That's us. We've got nothing for the distant verses this time around, unfortunately. Uh, if you want to send us something, send it to any of the places that Ren just said. Please do. And of course, all the things that we've already uh, compiled, all of the fan-made creations that we've uh, shown on our distant verses, you can also find in our resources for your game page on uh, for the resources of your game page on our blog, onesofthatispodcast.wordpress.com. So yeah. feel free to check it out. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. I just I reorganized it a little while ago, so it's a uh, it's a bit cleaner than just a huge list of things. Hopefully that helps. So I think it's time that we come to uh, let's see the the crescendo of the song and dance that we're doing. Ah, uh, not bad, not bad. I'll give it to you. <laughs> uh huh. I'll give it to you. Not the only one who can do a pun game. I'll let you have it. Mm hmm. This is our main topic for today. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide.
I would have, uh, I would have done another pun on top of yours, but I figured after the fiasco about oh. 20 minutes ago, I'd be barred. I was waiting for one, but... It looks like you just missed it. <sighs> Damn it. Figured I'd be barred. Uh, so, you're a bard. You're a bard. I am a bard. We're all bards here. Uh, turn to page uh, 68 of the core rulebook, and you can see the specialization for yourself. Uh, let's get right into the basics. What's a bard? Uh, now, it is very important to clarify that uh, bard means kind of the same thing and not kind of the same thing yes. in Dragon Age. Um, a bard is many things all at once, but perhaps the most important thing that a Dragon Age bard is is a mystery. On the surface, mm -hmm. they're much like what you'd find in any other fantasy setting. A performer, a storyteller, and a keeper of lore. And in fact, mechanically, the uh, the mechanics for the bard, as used in the game, mm -hmm. could very well be used for pretty much anybody who's able to tap into the power of musical performance. Mm -hmm. But, uh... But... But... Beneath the surface, there are many things to consider. Like, where does this bard come from? What are they doing here? Are they after me? The classic Thedosian image of a bard is that of a skilled player of Orlais' grand game. They can be spies, saboteurs, or even assassins if needed, though that kind of work has different competition has different competitions. So usually the assassins. Usually the assassins. And there's plenty of assassins in Orlais already, so Oh they, yeah. You know, they might not be doing it themselves anyway. I feel like everybody moonlights as an assassin in Orlais. Uh, probably. While the term bard is not specifically an Orlesian construct, it still conjures the image of a simple traveling minstrel with a dark and dangerous agenda. Which makes it really hard for non-dark and dangerous minstrels who really yes. just want to be good at what they do and maybe make some people happy. Yeah. Uh, bards are less con less uh, common in other nations, um, but they they really don't, and they really do not serve the same capacity that they do in Orlais specifically. And, uh, let's see, but they're very exciting and romantic in Orlais. Hmm. Uh, Orlesian bards are well known for being spies and saboteurs as well as singers and storytellers, but bards from other nations can be normal people. Uh, at the core, bards are performers, performing both in the light and in the dark. I kind of feel like if you take any class of person and then put the word Orlesian before it, you sort of imply that same difference. Like, you know, you're not wrong. A regular mage is just a mage who does stuff that is mage-like. An Orlesian mage does mage stuff and sabotage. Like, if there's always an and sabotage. Like, oh yeah, that's just part of being Orlesian. Huh, they got plans. If you're Orlesian, you got plans. Oh, yeah, you got ladders. To or you've climb. left Orlais. Or you've left Orlais because, dang, that place is crazy. Uh, who else in Dragon Age has the bard specialization? We've got a couple of real winners here, like oh yes, Leliana. Lely, I love Lely. Our classic bard from has been there pretty much the whole time. Dragon Age Origins all the way to Dragon Age Inquisition, um, and a couple of lesser known bards. Uh, we have, of course, Empress Selene from Dragon Age: The Masked Empire and Dragon Age. You got Age to be Inquisition. good to get there. Oh yeah. I believe she started as a bard. She may not necessarily still fill the capacity as a uh, as a uh, as an empress, mm -hmm. but she still has all those skills that she needed yeah. needed to get there. Uh, and of course, her uh, let's see, and of course, her left hand, Briella, mm -hmm. definitely fits the profile of a bard. Maybe not necessarily the performer kind of bard, but definitely like the the sh definitely like the insinuating the, the, sneaky the, bard. Yeah, the insinuating sneaky. 
she's, of course, for also from Mass Empire and Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh, Catriel from Dragon Age: The Stolen Throne is ob- is definitely a bard. Says so as much as says as much as herself. Um, she's the one who romanced King Merrick, and things did not go well. Spoilers. Mm. Uh, for a short while, Josephine Montelier was a bard. She was lured into the life by uh, with her fr- with friends of hers from Antiva by the romance. I feel like she dabbles of, in all oh, yeah, kinds of a things. A life of cloak and daggers and secrets. And then she ended up uh, killing somebody who was a friend of hers, who was also who was a competitive bard, so, who was a competitor bard, so she threw that life away. Hmm. I mean, I feel like that's spoilers for Inquisition a bit. And it teaches you some things about Josephine. Um, of course, there's Marjolaine uh, from Dragon Age Origins, who is yeah. uh, a villain as part of Leliana's background, and of course, one of the main, the major villain of Leliana's song, yep. d- the down, the deal, the Leliana nice. song expansion. And then my personal favorite, <laughs> I, I I can't get enough of this guy is Philium, a bard. You have to say the exclamation point. The exclamation point is important. It he is always so. in there. He says so. Um, you can find Philium a bard in several codex entries and, of course, the World of Thetis volumes. Specifically, he gets a nice long entry in volume two of World of Thetis, and he gets a little back and forth with Brother Genetivi, with Brother Ferdinand Genetivi, and it's... I love it. It's pretty great. I love it so much. Uh, as he would say, historians rescue stories from ruins. He rescues stories... From historians. From, his, from historians. Yeah. By... Editing them. He is an editor. Oh. Oh, he's the best. Um, so, next. And, of course, he also points out that Bard meant something before the Orlesians came along and mm-hmm. made it all, uh, made it all sneak thief. Yep. So, how do you become a Bard? Yes. Um, there's a couple things. You have to have a communication and a dexterity of three or higher. Mm-hmm. Not super hard. Standard procedure. And you have to be a novice in the music talent. We're oh, gonna, we need to talk about We're going to stamp a little asterisk on the end of that because we're coming back to that later yes. to talk about that music talent. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, as for, now, of course, those are the character build requirements. Uh, yes. And, of course, the normal ways that you find specializations are you can find a trainer, you can find a tome that has the information in it, or you can go on an adventure. Uh, finding a trainer who can impart the skill of a bard can potentially be perilous, uh, as m- as a lot of folks who would teach you how to be a very Orlesian bard may be expecting you to follow them into the cloak and dagger life of a bard. That said, if you're not training to be an Orlesian bard, you're... just find somebody who plays music really well and yeah. hang out with them, because exactly. that shouldn't be too bad. Yeah. You may be able to find, uh, uh, on the other hand, you may also be able to find somebody like Leliana, who was hurt by the grand game, doesn't mind sharing her talents with her companions. That is true. So, there's lot, So there's a couple options for trainers. Uh, in terms of going on adventures, it is possible that this trainer is willing to share their bard talents if the heroes do something for them. Perhaps proving their ability to become a bard in the first place, or simply helping them accomplish a goal they might not otherwise have be able to do themselves. This could mean dipping the hero's feet into the grand game, or it could just be performing on a magic stage into winter, distracting a crowd of the, for the schemes of one of the Antivan trade princes. You know, you got some options. Dog but, party in Ferelden? Definitely. Totally. Dog Absolutely. Party. It's a party of dogs, and you have to entertain the dogs. Uh, the They're quest... on the bar, do well. 
<laughs> oh yeah, because they're, they're, they're a very tough crowd. The quest may be wholly unrelated to bardic pursuits, but it should probably require the delicate touch of a rogue, as they would be the only ones who could gain this talent. Unless your, your, your campaign is the one that opens the specialization up. Which, out of all of them, you could maybe get away with being with a bard, being open to other classes. Yeah, I mean, as I recall, uh, Fantasy Age mm-hmm. allows bard to be open to any class. It does. We're, done, we're going to talk about that specialization, that iteration of specialization later as well. Yes, so I think it could be totally legit to make yeah. bard open to... Uh, well, actually, in Dragon Age specifically, it could be very difficult to make this open to a mage because just simply for the fact of mages aren't going to have enough time to interact with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not going to work out. They're going to get hunted down. Maybe if you were an apostate and really good at hiding, mm-hmm. like, maybe then. Being a bard means that you're you're making yourself noticed. Yes. Uh, now, of course, finding a large tome with a collection of powerful stories or songs may be enough to get you started on the path of a bard, uh, as being a bard does not require you to go to Orlais. You may simply come across an expensive collection of tales from far off or near lands. You may be able to buy it, or it maybe have to may have, maybe has to be stolen or traded for. Maybe you got it from Philium, a bard. A bard. Uh, now, what does the specialization do? Uh, despite the cloak and da- dagger nature of a classical Elysian bard, the bard's specialization is mostly about being in the open. Yeah. Uh, you'll learn a series of songs that can be activated as a major action and maintained each round as a free action. Uh, they may or may not be songs for you. They could be dances or speeches or recitations or even scenes that you act out. Miming. Uh, miming. <laughs> I want a mime. I need, I need a Dragon Age mime. Make it happen. Heck yeah. Miming of valor. Yes. You, they can't see you. No, they can't see it. Dang it. No. <laughs> they can't see the miming that <sighs> this you're This isn't doing. a vidcast. That's kind of the problem with miming. This isn't a vidcast. <laughs> um, now, uh, feel free to get creative with this. Singing is fairly classic for the specialization. Uh, remember Leliana's song at the camp in Dragon Age Origins? Couldn't anyone other than a bard have sang like that? That was a good scene. Mm-hmm. L- you know, by today's standards, it's a little silly to watch some of the animations. Because they did, uh, but you know, that's like, not what we're worried about. Right, that's right not now. what we're worried about. Uh, but um, what happens to your songs when you go unconscious is a bit unclear. We would guess that the effects persist until you cannot use a free action on your next turn to keep the song going. These songs have various effects, as we'll go over. At novice degree, you learn the song of valor. Is that what we would guess? I wouldn't guess that. Yeah. What would you guess? I would that guess that right when away. you go unconscious, it ends because you. Pretty much in the middle of... You You don't stay conscious until the end of your turn. You can't keep singing for the rest of the turn. Mm-hmm. You go into the dying state. You're not singing while you're dying. <laughs> Trust me. Perhaps he was dictating. As a vocalist. Oh, yeah. The legendary black... <laughs> if we do any more, we're going to have to pay royalties. I can't, uh-huh. I can't finish that joke. So, uh, the Song of Valor. Allies within 12 yards of you gain a plus one to attack rolls. Pretty standard. Uh, some GMs may give PCs the choice of having a boost attack or damage rolls when they accept a Song of Valor's effects, but that is up to the GMs themselves. There is no limit to the number of allies that this can hit, as long as they are within 12 yards of you. You may be able to make a case to GMs that this kind of power could help in mass combat. Woo! Uh, granted, your character may already have good communication, so it might be a boot mood point. They're probably already going to be a leader of that unit anyway. But this would be super helpful. But yes, this would be super helpful. 
the journeyman degree, you learn the song of friendship. This ability is as cool as it is adorable. Aww. Uh, you perform a song that reaffirms camaraderie and companionship, granting everyone a plus. See all of your allies a plus one bonus to communication, etiquette, investigation, persuasion, and seduction tests for the remainder of the role-playing encounter, or as long as you maintain it in a combat encounter. Uh, now, a bonus to communication tests and role-playing encounters? Sign us up, because that's... That's amazing. Uh, that, that's everything. Communication is everything for a role-playing encounter. Your, your friend, and, and honestly, if you're the bard, your friends probably need the boost. Uh, you can also probably assume that that boost goes to you as well, making you an even better face of the party. Uh, this can be everything that you and your friends need to push through a deadly investigation, prevent an assassination attempt, or even just speak before a crowd. Now, you do not need to maintain this song during a role-playing encounter. You perform it as a major action, and it persists for the rest of the encounter. Um, this means you don't have to be performing for an entire encounter when you could be using your communication to do some solid work. Um, in intrigue campaigns, this can be a bread-and-butter ability activated before any encounter. Yes. Uh, don't forget that NPCs can use this too, making them more prepared for a game of intrigue against the PCs. Uh, I would personally pay very good money to see this work well in a combat encounter. Yeah, well, how would you use this in a combat encounter? Um, it would be a major action to turn it on, and then, and then while you continue performing and spending free actions, all your friends are getting plus one of those specific communication focuses. Are they trying to... <laughs> Like, unless you're doing the kind of combat I like, which is the let's talk them down and then everyone talk about their feelings, mm-hmm. then I don't see this being particularly useful. Uh, the only place I could see it being useful is if you've got chevaliers in the party uh. who can use communication etiquette instead of uh, communication deception to perform mm. the, to perform the taunt stunt. That is true. Well, yeah, it Fun. would be it would be good. For mm-hmm. that, but uh, it's not really super useful in combat. Yeah, you're probably not going to get a lot of use out of this in combat, but... Unless you're using, like, the taunt ability. Well, no, even then, that doesn't require communication yeah. test. I mean, uh, the taunt, I believe, requires communication deception, but that is not one of the focuses that it gives you a bonus on in the first place, so... Yeah. Still not super heckin' useful. Maybe you just wanted to tell someone how much you appreciate them in combat. Maybe that was what you wanted to do. Maybe that's what you wanted. In this case, this will help you do it. Maybe or you just... hit on them. I mean, oh, oh, yeah, oh you could. it gives a bonus on the flirt stunt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the middle of a fight. Uh, that's real skeezy. Quick, friends, hit on them. Nope. Nope. <laughs> that's skeezy. And then they, they just, they don't want to fight anymore. They just leave. And then I, we all just kind of go I'll tell you something. If I am already mad enough at someone to try to kill them and they think that then is a good time to flirt with me, it will just make me want to kill them more. Fair enough. That is a whole lot of not okay that I would be super ready to murder somebody for. Fair enough. Well, use it your own dis- use your, your, your peril then. Indeed. Uh, the master degree you learn the song of captivation. This powerful song lets you make an opposed communication performance versus the target's willpower self-discipline. If they fail to beat you, they can take no actions on their next turn. That is just sweet. This is a powerful controlling ability in just about any kind of encounter where you need to distract somebody or slow them down. Uh, Exactly how this ability works round around may require some clarification. 
Since the power says that they lose the actions on their next turn, how it may work when is that you when you start the song as a major action and you make it the opposed test, if they lose, uh, they lose their next turn. On your next turn, you can keep the song going for another round with a free action, making another opposed test. If you win, they lose another turn. And you rinse and repeat. This is, uh, this is like, um, this is like Mind Blast on steroids as far as crowd, con- as far as like Battlefield control goes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hit as many people, but it hits that single specific person far, in a far worse way. Like, oh, yeah. and it just continues. Like, this is, this is Mind Blast, but worse. Mm-hmm. And I love it. No actions. They don't get to do anything. Now, they have to be within 16 yards, and you can only do it once per round. However, I, as a GM, would probably be down for you being able to use the Sway the Crowd stunt to hit more than one person with this. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? Yes, absolutely. If you roll stunts on that communication performance... That heck yes, and yeah. if you're and if you're a journeyman in the oratory, yeah, talent, you can hit three instead of one. Hit, oh, you can so you can captivate four people all at once. Oh, wow, check it out! Ridiculous, isn't that crazy? Um, now, of course, that means you have to roll stunt points every round if you want to actually keep them captivated. But you know, stuff happens. Mm-hmm. But so. Be that's, ready with them stunt points. That's stupid good. You got, you got some stuff to do with those. Um, some GMs may rule that you must perform your major action every round to keep someone captivated, but the talent does say that starting a song is a major action, maintaining it is a free action. And there is no mention that Song of Captivation is an exception. Yeah, I mean, if I were playing the Bard, I would be super stoked about it only being a free action. If I were the GM, I would definitely understand the need to perhaps make it a major action every round, because that's mm. very powerful. It's pretty good. Uh, however, GMs, don't forget, NPCs can do this too. Yeah. For, for mid-level villains, or even minions of high-level villains, this could be me- this could be real mean tricks. I mean, if you're if you're going like doing like a really high level intrigue campaign, and you and they go up against the villain who's got like four master bards, and say your mage them. is one of those that's like, I don't need willpower, <laughs> <laughs> or, or or the warriors and the rogues are all like willpower, pff, whatever. Only the mage needs that. Oh yeah, this that could be not a bad gonna day. work so great, It'll is be a bad it? Bad day for everybody. It's gonna be a bad day for everyone. So you know, keep that in mind. Uh, now, what other specializations complement this one? Uh, activating songs takes a bit more time than most abilities that are activated and maintained for encounters, most of which are just activate actions. Uh, these powers are still potent once you get them started. Not to mention the Bard specialization is useful in more encounters than just combat ones, especially useful in role-playing encounters. So any specialization that improves combat ability is only going to make you more dangerous. So most of these options are pretty good choices. Uh, let's start with the Assassin. This combo feels like an all-in-one Orlesian. Yeah, that is how you be an Orlesian. Yes. Uh, the one who can operate... Actually, I'll take for, it back. Uh, this is one of the ways to be Orlesian. There's <laughs> another one coming up. Yes. Um, one, let's see, one who can operate fully in the light uh, and cut throats in the dark. This combo's, abili- this combo's abilities don't really mesh, um, as assassins thrive more on stealth, but this can make a very flavorful combo. Yeah, that and it gives you versatility. Mm-hmm. Yes. The duelist. This is the other way to be. Yeah, this is this is also pretty heckin' or legion. 
Duelists love to be a little flashy. Taking up Bard can help them do just that. Song of Valor and the Duelist's novice ability can mix, granting a higher bonus to attack than normal. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Song of Captivation against the person that you're dueling? <laughs> that's that's kind of mean, that's, isn't it? I feel like that's <laughs> probably not allowed, but do it anyway. Like, <laughs> can you imagine how mad... Lord, what's his name would have been in the in uh, the uh, Autumn Falls tournament. For yeah. Sodom Alcott, that yeah. would have yeah, been he great. Been, he would have been, oh man, that would have been beautiful. Anyway, <laughs> that would have been kind of great. Uh, next one, Legionnaire Scout. Very unlikely, but very fascinating as a combo. Um, this would probably be a good example of a bard who definitely does not come from Orlais, but maybe is a, a member of the Legion of the Dead who is a singer in the stone. Oh, I love this idea. One who keeps up the spirits of the Legion of the Dead while fighting the dark spawn to the last. Oh, that's super cute. Isn't that cool? I like. I thought that was cool. Yeah, somebody who's uh, sort of decided that their, you know, their final calling is to provide as much music and joy and inspiration to the lead to the other legionnaire scouts as they can until the end comes oh i love it bring a little bit of light to the dark totally That's do it great someone do it uh next is the marksman which is a classic leliana combo how to be a leliana uh use songs in the back while peppering foes with arrows is not a bad way to go yeah it gives you that range uh-huh uh, I mean, Song of Captivation in the back, holding one person, and then, you know, using your volley stunt to fire, like, four arrows all at once. Get to it. Mm-hmm. Cool stuff. Uh, now, Ranger is another interesting one. A performer in the wild, <laughs> singing to the animals to call them and then empower them. Yeah, it can work pretty well. Do you uh, want to be a Disney princess? <laughs> this is how you get Disney princesses. This is how you get Disney princesses. Uh, Song of Captivation can be a very powerful tool when you got a bear friend uh, and see who is attacking your foes. The Song of Friendship is probably not going to help your friend, your animal friends. Yeah, I, I kind of wish that it gave you an actual animal companion because I feel like it would help with that. But <laughs> mm-hmm. well, no, they won't. They still wouldn't need communication anymore. Right. Uh, okay. yeah. You could still sing it for them, and they'd know that you love them. Exactly. It would be great. It's still your Song of Friendship. Except that uh, rangers, I believe, as a concept, are kind of pragmatic about. Yeah, actually, they. So it's it's like if you were. It's like if Cinderella had left the the rats in the rat traps if they hadn't been able to help her with her dress. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's Audi. that's the kind of princess you are. Pragmatic princess. Audi. I don't need this stupid little rat with his stupid little hat. He didn't make my dress right. He can stay in the rat trap. Loser. Uh, and then finally, the shadow. This creates an exciting dual identity of the performer shadow. and sneak. Operating both in the light and in the dark in the most literal senses makes a great concept, but your abilities really don't mesh. Honestly, if you're going to want to do that idea, you kind of want to go for the assassin, I think, mm-hmm. because at least then you're getting more combat-based um, abilities. Shadow does get some good combat things like the decoy stunt. That right? is true. Decoy is nice. Uh, that Callion uses all the time. And then, um, what else? Uh, I think they they do... Sorry, I'm going to turn the page to double check. I believe okay. that they get to add their cunning to some... Yes, when they're in shadow mode, they get to add their cunning to backstab damage. Oh, see, well, that's just strong anyway, so it's not yeah. the worst combination. And people just always take a minus one penalty on damage rolls against you. You could do it kind of like, uh, you know, any of the particular... 
dual, you know, dual identity kind of like a vigilante sort of feel. Ooh, yeah, I like it. You could absolutely like. Uh, oh, you know what? That's very uh, Kuna from Fantasy Star Online too. Ooh, yes, absolutely. You're right. But oh, yeah. uh, spoilers <laughs> for Fantasy Star <laughs> Online too. I guess. Online too. I guess. Pop idol during the day and kind of an assassin at night. I guess. Sort of. Sort of. She uses a lot of stealth camera. It's pretty does. cool. But yeah, so that would be cool. Totally. Uh, now. Gonna make a Dragon Age Kuna now. Yes, please. Uh, we've got a couple of extra remarks, um, specifically about the music talent and the performance talent. Because we need to say something about the music talent. It <laughs> sucks. It's kind of boring. It lets you read, write, and play music. Uh, journeyman degree lets you play all lets you, lets you play like a bunch of instruments more instruments and, and the master and level is like all normal instruments and if somebody makes a crazy dr seuss style instrument you can learn it in like a week something like that so that's awful right objectively bad for for very 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 specific campaigns you can make it work i mean clever still GMs, yeah. still needs fixed even for very yes. unless the campaign is literally entirely person who can play the most instruments wins <laughs> <laughs> i don't think there's any other situation where this wouldn't be a benefit for well, the switch we're about to talk about well we would let you into this party but only if you could play a viola shame <laughs> closes door so um, game ends everyone dies it, it gives you abilities that it, you wouldn't necessarily require a talent to say that you have. Yeah. Um, and gives you literally nothing yeah, else. The talent doesn't do much. Um, or anything. Now, we have a suggestion for yes. this. Uh, a Never couple, fear. A couple of suggestions. In fact, it's, we're not the only ones who've made this suggestion. Yes. I believe that uh, Green Running them, themselves have made this <laughs> particular suggestion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue Rose, when it came out, replaced the music talent with a talent called Performance. And that is a nice talent. Uh, in the Blue Rose Corvo book, that would be page 74. Uh, the Fantasy Age Companion also includes the Performance talent, which is page 22 in the Companion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that particular entry also includes a sidebar about how the music talent is a bit of a weak option for a whole talent. The sidebar also contains the same suggestion we're going to make which is replace music with performance to give your character a bit more mechanical heft and consider wrapping the benefits of the normal music talent into the benefits of performance. Yeah. I think that would, like, that's a perfect sort yeah. of solution. They they saw that there was a weakness there and mm-hmm. they fixed it. And I'm very fond of the performance talent. I, you know, in the stuff that we've been working on for Fantasy yes. Age, I have a character with it. And yeah, I it's think a pretty it's good really talent. Good. It's nice. Again, especially for bards, it's it's perfect. It's perfect for bards. It is perfect for bards. Now, maybe next they'll fix up the contacts talent, make it a little less vague for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, which would also be very useful for bards, incidentally. Uh, we've got a couple closing remarks. If you want to be a more social rogue, bard is the choice of specialization. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for your consideration, there is a Fantasy Age slash Blue Rose version of the bard that works that does work differently. They don't really they do songs, but it's not quite the same as this. Uh, it's a more lore-focused bar that gives re-rolls and bonuses that can be selected upon starting a performance. Your GM may consider allowing either version of Bard, uh, but of course it is up to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember that this specialization doesn't prepare you for combat as well as some other specializations, but this is good. Uh, but if that is, is is good for your campaign, then please go for it. It's a great. It's really fun. That said, GMs, if you're a little bit uh, skittish <laughs> about the Song of Captivation. 
the other version of Bard is still very good and mm-hmm. fun to play and might I think honestly gives a bit more oomph in other areas without giving the single like it's game-breaking a, power at the end of the chain. It's a bit more versatile than this particular Bard specialization. It's yeah. got it's got more moving parts. Without the I win button at the end. It's a fun I win button, but I think the last one is like you get to do a performance and the master degree is like you do a performance and you give a specific benefit and then you have to keep like performing again and again to get all the benefits uh but it can also work as a debuff on enemies yeah there's there are some really cool abilities so check check it it out out. (laughs) let's see uh solid talent choices for bards include contacts uh you may want to talk to your gm whatever that does right you want to talk to your gm a bit more closely to really determine what contacts is going to do because we'll be honest we just thought it sounded like a bard thing yes it's not actually it's, a really understandable. As a talent one. itself, contacts does, uh, a lot of folks argue reasonably that it does things that you would normally do in a campaign. Like yeah, I like did develop think, relationships right. within PCs. Yes, exactly. Um, I think I guess the idea is that contacts is supposed to let you like come prepackaged with, with NPC friends. Again, because... I feel like people make friends before. Right, exactly. So maybe they'll revamp that later and we'll have to revisit that talent. That would be cool. Uh, of course, Intrigue is a talent you'll probably want to check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, lore is a talent. As a storyteller, lore could certainly help anybody. Uh, observation is a is a good talent for bards, especially ones who are dealing with a lot of intrigue and need to be noticing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oratory for your for the more oh, so good. for that's, the more performy bards. That's the one. It's a good one. That's it's a really the one. good one. Like getting just simply because. If, especially if you're getting Song of Captivation, this is giving you Sway the Crowd. Oh, Three for man. one deal. Gotta get to Journeyman. If you're but... planning on messing with Song of Captivation, you want Oratory, and you Woo! want it yesterday. Heckin' yes. All right, well, I think it's, uh, I think us... it's curtains for us. <laughs> brings us to the finale. Yep. So, thank you, of course, for listening to One is a Fetus again, uh, Hope you enjoyed this as much as... Hope you enjoyed this little... This romp, this little jig, as much as we did. Um, If you like what we do, please consider supporting us on our new Patreon. You can not only get double votes on later episodes, but you can get the show a week early. If we get enough support, we can meet you with the Discord channel, start inviting people onto the show with us, become a weekly show, or even start a new show for other age games. Although, we're probably going to do that one anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's likely to happen eventually. Because age is cool, and, I mean, we've got... Fantasy Age, Modern Age, and now the Expanse RPG we talk about. We got some stuff in the works, too, so. Mm-hmm. Stuff. Stuff, stuff. Cool Fun stuff. stuff. Um, anything that you can contribute, of course, is appreciated. You can find a link to our Patreon on our blog and in the post for the show. Uh, if you'd like to keep up with the show, you can, of course, follow us on our social media. Feel free to leave a comment or a question or tell us how your Dragon Age games are going. Yeah. Uh, feel free to comment or sh- on our show on SoundCloud. And if you can, please leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. It really helps us out. That All of this really great. helps us out. We have a lot of fun doing this, but we also have, you know, full-time jobs, and we've got, uh, and we've got games, and, ads, and I've got... Grad school coming up for me in less than a month, you got grad school. So. <laughs> uh, I will potentially be doing, I mean, if we start getting into doing actual plays, which I'd very much like to do. We're hoping to do, that's a large part of the stuff that we're mm-hmm. working on. But I think we've got other campaigns that we should probably finish before we get into that, so... Yes. 
we're we're busy folks, but we've got plans. We like to do stuff, and we're having a lot of fun with this. And it sounds like you folks out there are having a lot of fun with this too. So yes, we cannot thank you guys enough for tuning in. This oh, would not be what it is without the support of the community. You guys have been great for sure. We uh, we love hearing from you. We love answering your questions, and this podcast is for you guys as like more than it is for us. We just getting the get. I think the best part. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I guess it's still for us because the best part is getting to interact with these amazing people who oh, yeah. sort of have so much, so many cool insights about this game. So There's a lot yeah, of really talented folks out there. So thank you all for all the stuff you sent in, all the questions you ask. It, it, this, this is your show as much as it is ours. It makes our day. So thank you for the millionth time. This is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. And this is Jessica wishing you good heels and happy feels. Thank you so much for listening to the Wonders of Thetis podcast. We'll catch you next time. Have a good one. Bye-bye.